0: Uh, today welcome uh, i'm so glad to be with you today uh obviously the stage looks a little bit more beautiful because my wife uh is here uh don't get too excited it's just one sunday okay (laughs) today since she's joining me on stage we thought maybe the way we would start would be by telling you how we met one another one because we're both here but two because there's two sides of that story okay it depends on who you actually ask how we met, and so I figured I would start and tell my side first, and then I'd allow her to tell her side of the story, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, So we were in college when Amanda and I met. Uh, I was a sophomore, she was a freshman. I was at one of the uh, girls' basketball games. Amanda and her twin sister played for uh, Taylor University's basketball team. And I saw this girl go check in and I'm like, oh, wow, well, she's, uh, she's kind of cute, you know? And I was like, hey, I just asked one of my buddies to hand me the roster so I could figure out which one uh, and what her name was. I, that started a five month process where literally I tried to put myself in her way multiple times where she would see me and be like, oh man, that guy, you know, like, and uh, that we would, just be able to connect there's a couple times i almost talked to her Almost, Okay, almost talked to her. Uh, five months later, I walk into the gym for one of our floor's intramural basketball games, um, and there stands the same cute girl on the court we're gonna play basketball on. And I'm like, here we go, right? Now, my dad taught me when I was a kid, when, when I'm playing basketball, introduce yourselves to refs uh, before the games. And so I was like, I'm gonna go introduce myself to the refs, right? And so I went and introduced myself to her. The game got started, and much like all like male Games, basketball games, it got intense, okay? Uh, and at some point, I stole the ball from their point guard, was headed down to the other end of the court, which she was the ref on that end of the court, went out for a layup, and this person I had stole the ball from was not real happy about me stealing the ball from them. Came to block me, but instead of blocking me, they just put their arms straight across my Adam's apple. And you know what this is like if you've had this happen before, we are like, you just, you can't breathe, you can't talk, you're just, you're like... You know, like... That's what I was doing back down the floor because no foul was called. Game continued to be played, right? I caught my breath, and I'm like, you don't know that's a foul? And I yelled that at her on the court. Yes, I know. I'm a jerk. And I left the gym that night thinking, man, she's really cute. But if she doesn't know that's a foul, I can't date her. I just can't date a girl that doesn't know that's a foul. So,
1: All right. I'm so glad I get to go second. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. So, for starters, up until this point and this night that he's talking about, uh, I this was the first night that I had ever laid eyes on Lance. So for those like five months that he was stalking me slash spying, this was the first time I'd ever seen him. Okay. And then okay. So second, the women's basketball team, like you said, we ref the intramural leagues. We, le- we reft the women's league, and we reft not the men's A league, not the men's B league. We reft the men's C league of this intramural basketball tournament at Taylor. So, C league, all right? So, this is the league where, especially this guy's team, they would come like dressed. These guys would wear like really short shorts before like the short shorts were a thing. Okay, they're kind of back now, but then like I had longer shorts on than he did, and he had on like they were like tank like tank tops. It was weird. And then they his team also wore like fanny packs like as they were playing snack time. Snack time. Don't know now. what that was about. And then his team would also he would also hurl half court shots, screaming "Let it rain." It's a okay. design play. I remember that vividly. Yeah, that's what they were doing. So play. So apparently during. The this game. Okay. They were playing. Um, I was probably like dodging another half court shot because there was a lot going on. I was the only rep. He said at the end of the court, I was the only rep in this game. Apparently I may have missed a foul. Okay. And I got yelled at. That part is true. He did yell at me. And I remember, um, like leaving the gym that night thinking like, Oh, he is such a jerk. Like I remember thinking that, (laughs) But, man, he's so cute. I, I do remember like, being like, okay, I don't want to like him, but I kind of do. So there you go. So at. that's that, yeah. It's
0: two sides the way <laughs> that we met that night. Uh, and we tell you that story because just like the command we're going to look at in the Bible today, there's two sides. There's uh, two sides to that. Uh, both of them are true and put together. You get the full truth, much like maybe our story as well. Uh, before we jump in there, let me stop and pause and pray for us, and then we will... Uh, jump into scripture this morning. Jesus, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather and to worship your name. I thank you uh, for getting to have Amanda up here on stage with me, my bride, and uh, the better half, I break out that you would just bless us, that you would speak through us, that you allow uh, what we've prepared for the Holy Spirit just to uh, take and, and make uh, applicable into the lives of these marriages in this room. Um, we know that marriage is very near and dear to your heart, and so we want to uphold it and do our very best to reflect the marriage that you designed in the beginning. So help us do that today. Soften our hearts to hear your word. We love you, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen.
1: All right. So we are going to be talking today about the word submission. And before we get to the two sides of that command, I wanted to go ahead and just try to dispel any negative thought around that word, submit. Um, it is, I would say in our culture today, it is a negative term. It is thought of as even kind of offensive, like that word just is a trigger word, it's a buzzword. Um, and especially in our culture today, I feel like our culture has no desire to apply it um, to marriages, to relationships, let alone under, try to understand it from A biblical standpoint, it's probably one of the most misunderstood terms in all the Bible. And so we thought it'd be good to kind of tell you guys what biblical submission is not before we get into um, trying to encourage you guys about what it is. So biblical submission is not agreeing on everything, wives, talking to the wives here. It is not agreeing on everything. It is not voiceless. It is not... um, You know, you do have a voice. It is not like this blind trust that we are going to give away. Um, Okay, that's not what it is. It also is not living or acting in fear, okay? There's no fear involved in biblical submission. And thirdly, it is not putting the will of your husband above the will of God, okay? that We wanted to start from the very beginning what it's not.
0: And that's why we see it as a trigger word. The passage that uh, is typically used is Ephesians 5. So turn there with us if you have your Bibles today. If you don't have a Bible, grab one from in front of you. Use that. Join us in this passage because we're going to be looking at it quite a bit today. Uh, We start with this first verse that um, comes in verse 21. But it's under the heading that says, Spirit-guided relationships, wives and husbands. So Ephesians 5 chapter, excuse me, chapter five, yep, verse 21 says this, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I'm gonna say it again. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now that's the first verse we get in this section, and we need to understand that this is not the application, okay? Uh, An easy thing to do is take this and say, this is the application and, and favoring men. It would say, well, you know what? Ladies, you're supposed to submit, ultimately submit to God and everything without question. And so you should submit to me uh, without question as well. Well, here's the problem with that men, you're not God, right? You're not, you're called to live underneath God as well. And so uh, that is a wrong application of this verse. And in fact, it's not even intended to be applied. He's just setting up a conversation. But what we see is that taken out of context so many times, the wrong application for women is to say, well, I don't have to submit to you as husbands unless you're doing the will of God. And then you determine what the will of God is. <laughs> well, I, I don't think that's the will of God, so I'm not gonna do that. That's not the will, of, you know. That's not it either. In fact, this verse strictly is setting up the conversation and it's telling us not the application, it's telling us the inspiration. This is why we do this individually as husbands and wives. We submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, meaning that we first and foremost have to have our own relationship with Christ and be submitting to him first, If we're not doing that, there's no way for us to truly understand how to submit to each other because we're not submitting to the Lord first. And that's why we get to this bottom line, this idea that healthy marriage takes submission. Not just submission to each other, but first and foremost, submission to Christ and out of reverence for Christ. Then we get into the actual application as it applies to women and to men as to wives and husbands. And Amanda's gonna read that.
1: Brenda. Yeah, we're going to continue reading uh, in verse 22, if you'll read along with me. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. So. I think that god knew that that command in verse 22 would be really difficult for us as women so god through paul he immediately gives us the why behind submitting to our husbands paul goes straight to the headship that god put into place in the very beginning and um a commentator that we found while studying lloyd jones puts it this way Notice that the apostles lay great stress upon this. Man was created first, but not only that, man was also made the Lord of creation. It was to man that this authority was given over the brute animal creation. It was man who was called upon to give them names. Here are the indications that man was put into a position of leadership, lordship, and authority and power. He takes the decision He gives the rulings and this fundamental teaching, this is the fundamental teaching with regard to this whole topic. So all the way back in creation, God is very, um, he plans this. He puts men at the headship from from the very, very start. So however, um, as God establishes the man as the leader, God immediately says, however, man alone, is not good and in genesis 2 18 it says then the lord god said it is not good for the man to be alone i will make a helper who is just right for him and honestly that just that scripture right there has just made me almost emotional all week um because i feel like that is how much god knows us that is how fully known we are by god that just from the very beginning he knew that they couldn't do it by themselves, right? That, yeah, True. sorry. That's what Scripture um, says. I know, I'm laughing now, but it's actually been making me cry all week because I think that's how like fully known we are by God and how much purpose there is in Him creating us and creating Him as the leader and then knowing that He would need a helper. Um, it's literally translated, um, as helpmate. Uh, and so I just think that is so important for us as wives to hear that we have purpose, that God, it was not this, we were not created aimlessly. It was not none of that, that we were created because of a reason and that um, we are just as important as in this design for marriage as, as the husband. Um, and not only that, but in marriage, man and, re- man and woman reflect that relationship that jesus has with the church and um, i just want to reiterate the uh purpose of marriage that got that lance has been encouraging with us over the last couple weeks um and that god's purpose for marriage is for a husband and wife to be a picture of that covenant relationship that christ has with the church um, and we see this order of headship all throughout scripture and paul even states it directly in 1 Corinthians 11.3, it says, but there's one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. So when Paul says in verse 22, as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands. He is reiterating that order of headship that God put into place from the very beginning. Um, and before we move on to some of the application, I did want to address that, that wording in everything i think that can we can get a little tripped up on that and i think that goes back to the context if we were just to take that verse out and and read that to somebody that does not sound good right that sounds like no fun (laughs) in everything so i just wanted to like go from one spectrum to the other with that in everything wording that paul uses and um on this far spectrum over here, we recently just did a kitchen renovation. Okay, and why? Great idea. Why great we decided to, to do that during a marriage series? Like idea. that was is beyond me. But <laughs> we survived. Okay, we made we made it through. It looks great. Um, but all of those design decisions were mine. Okay, like I made every decision. I, of course, I asked him maybe what he thought, and we were gonna go with it anyways, kind of thing. But. Um, <laughs> He did a lot of the labor, which I'm so thankful for, uh, but all those, those decisions were mine, right? But So I'm going to swing to the other end of the spectrum in regards to that in everything that Paul says, and there are some exceptions to that that we believe. And these are just a few. So one exception to that is when and if the husband is asking or expects the wife to sin, all right, that's an exception, Another one is when and if the husband uh, is abusive or is endangering the family and the kids and the wife. And a third exception of that is if the husband breaks that bond of marriage uh, with adultery. So those are a few exceptions that we wanted to address with that in everything. So now that we've established that um, our husbands are the leader of the household, that God made that their responsibility to lead, Along with that leadership and that responsibility, there is accountability. Uh, and so Lance is going to share with us what that matching accountability looks like yeah. in leadership.
0: So it'd be easy, husbands, to like say, well, we can just stop reading there, right? Like, <laughs> well, I submit to the husbands. That's what often happens with this passage. It just gets broken up. Lines get pulled out of it, and then you start to apply that uh, in an unhealthy way. Well, the truth is, is that he continues that for application for us as husbands. It says this. For husbands, this means love your wives as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies, For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. I think, let me state the obvious that maybe you don't catch, but I I pay attention to these things when I study scripture. There's twice as many verses about how we're called to apply it, husbands, as there is for wives. Because I truly do believe It is more difficult task for us as husbands than for you as wives to submit because we're called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. How in the world are we supposed to do that, right? I mean, Christ loved the church perfectly and we're called now to love our wives perfectly. And let me say this before um, I get any further. No husband is entitled to say that he is the head of his wife unless he is loving his wife as Christ loved the church. You don't have the right to claim headship and leadership if you're not also loving your wife the way that he explains in this verse. Well, how does he explain how we are called to love? It's this. It says that Christ loved the church by giving up his life for her. He gave up his life for her. He literally gave everything he had of himself for the church on the cross, That's how husbands were called to love our wives, to give up everything of ourselves for our wives. I don't know about you, but for me, that feels very daunting, like a very huge task. And in fact, the word that's used there for love, there's four words uh, that we translate in the same English language that all mean love and just different levels of love. I don't have time to get into all four of them today. What we need to know and understand is this is the deepest of them. Uh, the love that is described here that would be used here is agape. Agape means unconditional, sacrificial love. In fact, it implies that it's more of a decision than it is a feeling. It's a decision more than it is a feeling. It's unconditional, sacrificial love. And I think as we unpack that and think about that, I, I throw down a couple things that it is, right? Uh, it is a love that loves without changing, <clears throat> It is a love that is selfless and giving without demanding or expecting repayment. It is a love that's so great that it can be given to the unlovable. And it is a love that loves even when it's rejected. Think back to Romans 5.8. It says, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that means uh, while while we were still sitting in our sin, not acknowledging God, not giving Him anything in return, uh, not doing anything to deserve to be loved and sacrificed for, Christ dies for us. There's application for that for you and I as husbands, men. Like we're called to love our wives even when they don't respond with love. Called to love our wives even when they don't respect us or acknowledge us. We're called to love our wives even when we don't feel like loving our wives. This is a decision, this is not a feeling. Christ loved the church, not based off of the response, he loved the church based off of his decision to love the church and die for her while they were still sinners. This is in a passage that says, husbands be nice to your wives, husbands be kind to your wives. This is one that says, husbands continually decide to practice self-denial for the sake of agapeing your wife, just as Christ agaped the church. I think Charles Spurgeon put it beautifully when he wrote it this way. I ask you to notice what is not always the case in regards to husbands and the wife. That the Lord Jesus loved the church unselfishly. That is not to say that he never loved her for what she has, uh, but what she is. Nay, I must go further than that and say that he loved her not so much for what she is, but what he makes her as the object of his love. He loves her not for what comes to him from her or with her, but for what he is able to bestow upon her. He loved the church because he knew his love would transform the church, would change the church. It would set the tone for the church. That's true for us as husbands. We're called to love our wives because we know it will change the household. We know it will change the tone. We know it will set the course and direction of our family. And go back to the headship. This is what worldly headship. I think what our culture says, I'm the head of you. So you take your orders from me and must do whatever I want. You must submit to me, right? Uh, so the, here are the things I want you to do for me. But this is what Paul is saying. Biblical headship looks like this. I am your head, so I must care for you and serve you. And you must submit to me, so I am accountable before God for you. I must care for you and sacrificially serve you as I do for myself. I mean, the last part of that uh, explanation, he says we must love them the way that Christ, whether we love our own bodies. I don't know about you, I do a pretty good job taking care of this guy, right? When this guy's hungry, I feed this guy. When this guy's tired, I say, hey, honey, I gotta take a nap, right? When this guy wants to go somewhere, I'd usually take this guy somewhere. Do I do that same thing for her? That's what this scripture's pointing to, right? And so then we get into this idea of like, how do we apply this today? So how do we do that with wives?
1: Yeah, so wives, it is first about your obedience to God, then it's about your obedience to your husband. Submission is more about what's going on between you and God submitting to him, and then Through that relationship, you are able to submit to your husband because that relationship with God has to be the foundation that you're working out of, okay? Because we can't do it without God's help. We can't be a helper without the helper. Mm -hmm. I'll say that again. We can't be a helper, a good helper, without the helper, the Holy Spirit working in you, you spending time with the Lord, the Holy Spirit equipping you. And through that relationship, that's what uh, what we believe equips you and helps you be able to submit to your husband. And I'm not saying that's easy, okay? Not Don't hear that. Um, but if you are continually going to the Lord, if you are submitting to Him first, just through that, it's a natural thing that God's going to work on you and the Holy Spirit's going to work through you and give you what you need to be able to submit. Being in tune with the Holy Spirit is what helps you submit. So, um, it helps you, Choose love. It helps you choose um, honor. It helps you choose respect for your husband. So I just want you to hear that. First and foremost, it's about your relationship with God, um, and then it's it's through that that we we go back to that that purpose when God created us. It's through that relationship with God that we understand that this is a crucial role. (laughs) Like, this is a big deal. God made this for a reason, made it this way in marriage for a reason. And when we fully understand that, I will say it's easier to submit. God softens your heart towards it. And um, that word submission, submit, it doesn't really cause like uneasiness or conflict in my heart because I... I try to understand that it is a really important role to play. So, um, we wanted to, we talked about earlier what biblical submission is not. We want to encourage you wives what biblical, biblical submission is. And first of all, the first one is biblical submission supports. So, ladies, do you love it when your husband leads? Okay. Do you encourage them to lead? Or, is just easier for you to do it. Uh, saying we we like to say is who wears the pants. <laughs> Maybe ask yourself who. Do you, and that's a joke. We say that a lot. But um, whenever you don't give your husband the opportunity to lead, to lead, when you take it, you're really taking that opportunity away from him, from his role, right? And trust me, sometimes it is easier for us just to lead, but. God calls us to support, and to be patient with them, um, and to encourage, okay? Like, it takes a lot. Again, the Holy Spirit helps you do these things. Um, Second, I wanna say, submission says, I trust you. And this is after a lot of prayer, a lot of discussion, okay? Remember, this is not blind trust. You have a voice, God wants you to use it. You're allowed to speak your opinion, okay? You're allowed to probe your husband's heart. Ask him, challenge him. Say, have you been taking this to the Lord? How's your relationship with the Lord? If you're aware of his relationship with the Lord, it's gonna be a lot easier to say, I trust you, right? And so again, this is uh, not passive. This is trusting with action, okay? And then thirdly, um, I wanna say submission is intentional. Again, going back to that not being a passive submission. Okay, so intentional. So I really wanna be intentional about modeling submission in front of my kids. Those of you that, that have kids in the home, right? I want Taylor and Emma to visually see me hand Lance the Bible during our family devotions. Okay, I think that's important. And and does that mean that like that I never get to lead? No, of course not. Um, Especially when the kids are little, right? When they're little, I was with them majority of the time. Lance is at work. You know, this happens. So of course I led them, I taught them, I influenced them. It's not. I'm not saying that as wives we don't have any influence over our kids, but. At the end of the day, if you were to ask your kids, hey, who leads our family spiritually, who leads our family in our faith, who gets us to church, things like that, what visual do they have? What do they see? They might not be able to tell you even, but they are watching. We say this a lot in our elementary ministry, more is caught than taught, even in our student ministry. They are watching, and they are getting a visual, and... They are going to be taking that with them. If you think about it, I just got chills thinking about that. They are going to be taking what they see into their marriage, into their family, right? So what are they seeing? And um, with that, you will look different, right? This is going to, for wives, you're going to look different than the culture, than a family that's not, uh, that faith isn't the center. And that's okay, because you're kind of supposed to right? <laughs> and you're not, and I, w- I want to say, you're not going to look like a wife that's being walked over if you're doing this. You're going to look like a wife that is thriving in the role that God's given her, right? You are fulfilled. You have purpose in this. So you're not going to look like that as you're walking with the Spirit, as you're seeking the Lord through things. You're going to be um, you're gonna have purpose. And, and I will say, I didn't say this before, but there will be times, we're gonna to talk, to talk about this a little bit, but we're in that trust piece that you're gonna disagree. <laughs> and we got a, we we'll have a story that for that later, but you, you will disagree, um, but that's where that, where biblical submission kicks in for the wife is, again, if you are honoring the Lord and submitting to him and you have confidence that your husband is also in step with the Lord, um, that biblical submission will kick in and you can say, I trust you, even if you don't agree. And that's, that's the tough one, right?
0: Yep. So what does biblical leadership look like for the husband? Well, leadership is, as I already said, self-sacrificing. Like, do you uh, put your priorities over your wife's priorities or do you truly uh, honor what uh, maybe she needs in your marriage and parenting in all ways, Right. Uh, It's self-sacrificing. So making sure that we're keeping those two things in the same lover. You're supposed to love her the same way you love yourself. That means the priority should be the same between the two of you in your heart. Uh, Biblical leadership is unconditional. Do you only love and serve your wife when she responds by loving and serving you? Or do you pursue her uh, without condition? Right? It's sacrificial, it's unconditional, um, it's going after her and pursuing her the way God designed you to pursue her as your help me, as the other part of your marriage. Uh, biblical leadership is humble, gentle, and strong all at the same time. It's not passive leadership, it's not dormant leadership, um, and it's not prideful leadership. Right? It's all of those things at one time. It's one of uh, my greatest joys is to love this woman, right? And that sometimes it looks like backing up and taking a second and not saying what immediately comes to my mind, right? And then sometimes it looks like uh, leaning in and guiding and directing and making sure she knows what's true and what's right. Uh, And so it's different things at different times. It can't just be one thing all the way through the whole time. And, And if we can do this well, listen, if you can do this well, or at least attempt to do this well, it's not hard to love one another. It's not hard to lead us as, as a husband and it's not hard to submit as a wife because we are leaning into what God designed in the beginning and he says is very good. That's what he said when he put the two of them together. Hey, look, this is very good, this relationship that I designed for you. But here's what we need to understand. We can't do it without the context. So if you have Ephesians 5 open, look there at the beginning of Ephesians 5. It says in verse one, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear dear children. This whole conversation starts with, it's both of our jobs to imitate God. And as Amanda's already stated, where does he go right after that? He kind of gives us a juxtaposition between living in light and dark that has to do with your sinfulness, right? Living in the light because we are children of the light. But then he goes directly into living by the Spirit's power. And he says in verse 18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You cannot do this on your own, right? I'm gonna say this for my wife and it's true for me too. She is the most adorable, frustrating person I've ever met in my life, right? (laughs) And I am the cutest, most frustrating person she's ever met in her life, right? Like it just, you get to that point where like, sometimes it's like, Holy Spirit, we're gonna need your help today, okay? Like we're gonna need your help today because we do. Mm -hmm. And that's okay, that's the point. Right? It's through our relationship with Christ that the Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to love each other well, And, and I want to say this, like it's not natural. This isn't what your simple desire, uh, desires lead to. Like, your simple desires lead to selfishness, to putting yourself over the other person. It leads to frustration, it leads to jealousy, It leads to all these different things that get into our marriages, and that we have a hard time just calling them what they are. This is an attack in our marriage.) Mm-hmm. So it's probably been the last two to three years that I've been able to look at her when we're red-faced yelling at each other and be like, this is not you and I. This is Satan. Can we please just stop and pray? <laughs> we, do. we just stop and pray because it's not. So if you're newly married, you got a lot of work to do. If you've been married for years, you still got a lot of work to do. And this is like becoming more like Jesus. This is a, the entirety of our relationship till death do us part. Go ahead, single people. Yeah. What about them?
1: Oh, yeah, single. So, single people, we wanna encourage you to take these roles, take it really everything we've learned the last few weeks and put them in your toolbox. I say that. And cause you're gonna take that with you into your relationships. I met with a, a single this past week and she's young and she was so, and she's doing this and it was like, it's just so encouraging. She loves this series and she's not married. And so, I think that's huge. So, if you're single, if um, that's okay, and God can work on you now, if you are, are focusing on submitting to the Lord now, um, that is the best place to be. Uh, and you will be ready. You'll be ready to thrive in that role whenever it's, and it's time to be, to be married. And if you're dating, I did want to say too, if you're, if you're dating, I would say, look for ladies, look for a man, look for a boy who is also submitting to Christ first okay i know that sounds duh right but we don't always make that our type right so if you're dating make that your type and trust me that will vastly narrow the playing field <laughs> and that's okay all right cuz that's what you want you want somebody else who is also submitting to the Lord um, every day with their whole life, right? Yep. Um, so. so
0: this is how that's played out. I'll give you a, two examples, how it played out well and how it didn't play out well. Well, it played out well, yeah. but anyways. Uh, and then we're gonna pose two questions for husbands and wives. So when we uh, moved to Noblesville, we actually had moved from Memphis, Tennessee to Mattoon, Illinois. Now what you need to understand about that, I've taken a role at a Christian church in Mattoon, Illinois, which is my wife's hometown, Okay. This is where her twin sister lived at the time. It's where her older sister lived at the time, and it's where her parents lived at the time. So for all intents and purposes, when we moved back to Mattoon from Memphis, Tennessee, Amanda thought we just moved home forever, (laughs) like forever and ever amen, like we sang at the beginning of the series, right? Uh, And so two years into the role, when I had come to the realization, this is not where God wants us forever. This is not the job that I think God wants me in right now. Uh, That was a difficult conversation to begin having with her who was like, this is going to be the greatest thing of our lives, you know, raise our, kid, our uh, nieces and nephews, and our kids get to be raised together. Uh, and so we started in that conversation, and I started to ask her to pray through what it would look like to walk through open doors. After multiple conversations um, and just explaining what, why I was where I was, uh, she agreed. And so we decided we would walk through uh, any open doors God might provide. Now, let me say this I know my wife, all, well. And I knew that while she was saying yes to that, there was also this little part inside of her was like, but maybe we could stay here forever, right? (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I knew that existed. And I immediately started praying to God, okay, God, you're gonna have to convince her because I can't do it. I can't do it. So we ultimately did a wedding that summer. Uh, I did not realize this at the time, but uh, one of the individuals had grown up here at White River Christian Church and half of the staff was there. Um, didn't know that. Uh, got done with the wedding and that weekend, got a phone call from somebody on staff and said, hey, would you be interested in a middle school pastor position? I looked at my wife and said, we said we'd walk through any open doors. And she's like, <sighs> <laughs> We did? You know, yes, we did. So we walked through that open door. At the end of that open door was uh, a job offer to move here and become that role. And uh, I'll never forget the night uh, we got that news. We were in Fishers at Handels. We got the phone call. I got off the phone call and I'm still in my mind praying, God, (laughs) I can't say yes to this unless you've changed her heart. And I said, what do you think? And I'll never forget. She looked in my eyes and she said, this is it. She said, because I see something in your eyes I haven't seen in a year and a half. And that's bigger than what my desire. And so we moved here. That's how it had worked one time well, right? (laughs) This is how it was a little bit rougher. All right.
1: Well, I'd say it still worked out. It still worked out.
0: (laughs) This one may be a little bit
1: rough. No, no, this situation was with one of our kids and it involved school and um this was a few years ago and uh it was a decision that needed to be made Uh, we had to make a decision for one of our kids regarding school and it was a hard one because it was gonna affect i felt like um, the rest of the elementary years and i think kind of affect Forever. Yes. So you were uh, thinking about forever. I was thinking about forever. So I, I was having a really hard time with the decision, and he was too. Uh, we prayed about it separately. We prayed about it together. Um, but at the end of my time with the Lord, I felt like I was right, <laughs> and I felt like I knew the decision that needed to be made. Now. God was working on him differently, and he thought differently. He I was a, convinced otherwise. He had a different decision. <laughs> so, and it came to the point where, it came to a head where we needed to make the decision, and there was a meeting that needed to happen, and I remember it was hard. It was not easy. I was mad, <laughs> and I wasn't thrilled with where God had me in that moment, but... Um, I knew that I was having a hard time separating the emotional side, the emotion side of this decision, and so I needed him. I needed him to make the decision and I needed him, I needed to submit to his leadership. So um, he didn't, I didn't even go to the meeting. So I left and went to the
0: meeting. Uh, (laughs) I made the decision and now trust me, as I was driving, I was praying, God, if I'm not seeing what she's seeing, like let me see this before we meet Mm -hmm. with the teachers and administrators. I got to the school and after talking to them, I still felt like I was making the right decision. So I made the decision, I came home, I told her what decision I made and she was not happy, okay? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, right? Like she was still thinking that I made the wrong decision. And in fact, still thought that for a couple of days afterwards, maybe even a couple months afterwards, um, until we saw the effect of the decision that next school year. And yeah. then that next school year, uh, I do remember her saying like, and then I didn't even need this at all, but just saying you made the right decision right? We made the right decision. And, I, and that's why I said, we made the right decision. We did, because I needed her to push so that I made sure I was making the right decision for our child. And which leads us to, uh, as we close, what are the questions? We have two questions we came up with, uh, one for wives and one for husbands.
1: So wives, do you submit by respecting your husband as the leader? I'll ask that again, wives. Do you submit by respecting your wife, your husbands as the leader?
0: And then husbands, uh, this is the question that God's put in my heart since a long time ago when I started writing this series. Like, are you worthy of being submitted to? Are you pursuing and submitting to Christ, making yourself worthy of being submitted to? If both of you can answer yes, or at least we're trying, right? Then good news, you're going to experience the marriage that God desired for you. If you're going to say no to either of those two questions, then you got work to do. you got work to do. Uh, and Paul describes what this looks like when it's done well at the end of our passage for today.
1: Yeah, we'll read how Paul describes it at the end of our text. In verse 31, it says, As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband.
0: That's the picture. That's what it looks like. That's what we desire for the marriages of this church, is, and, that, and we're going to pray that mm-hmm. now. So let's pray. Father, would you um, bless the marriages of this church? Um, would you help us to understand our role within uh, a biblical form and, and thought, uh, not with all the things that the culture tells us, but would you allow us to lean into what you tell us to do and how you tell us to do that? Uh, God, we're going to need the Holy Spirit's help. And so Holy Spirit, would you guide and direct us? Um, would you bring us to forgiveness and asking for forgiveness if we need to? Would you bring us to repentance? Uh, would you guide and direct and teach us how to do this well? not for our sake, but for your sake and for your glory. Jesus, we pray these things in your precious name. Amen.
1: Amen.